from Christchurch, we now head to Taranaki, where the settlement of Parihaka is looking towards its future. Parihaka is out on the west coast. Um, it's about a 40-minute drive from uh, New Plymouth. It's um, just inland uh, from the coastal uh, settlement of Rahotu to the south and Pongarehu to the north. Um, and it's beneath the Maho of our Mauna Taranaki. Um, and it was established by our prophets, uh, our Poropiti, uh, Te Rongomai and Tokukakahi, oh, really back in the late 1870s. Yes. Basically, as a refuge, a refuge for from all the uh, devastation that was happening as a result of the land wars here in Taranaki and the subsequent confiscation of our land. Because of the history of Parihaka, both the devastating impact upon its people and their resilience then and today, the future of Parihaka is a topic that is discussed at their meetings held on the 18th of every month, a tradition that began with leaders Tohukakahi and Te Whitsi Orongomai. Amukura Pandoho is the chair of the Parihaka Papakainga Trust. This year the Trust received funding from Massey University's Centre for Energy Research to look at self-sustainable energy. The project, Taiapa Tsiketsike, Passive Resistance to Climate Change at Parihaka, will look into low energy housing, heat generation and storage issues, as Amukura explains. Ki te tahakutaku māma, ko Taranaki te maunga, ko uh, Tokumaru me Kurohopo ngā waka, ko Te Atiawa me Taranaki me ngā ruahini oku ewi, uh, ko Otarawa me uh, Ngāti Haupoto me um, uh, Ngāti Taere Ngāhapu, now, um, Amukura, you're the, um, the chair of the Parihaka Papakainga Trust. Hi. So today, what is the, the makeup of Parihaka? Do people live nearby there still? Parihaka probably uh, started kind of losing its community around the 50s, you know, where the reality is that work wasn't available locally and the families had to move away. And by the time I was a child in the 60s, a number of the houses were not being looked after. And um, then in the 80s, there was a revival by our queer and some of our key leaders that have been known about over the years. Um, And... We've been in survival mode pretty much ever since. Um, the biggest, you know, we've had to think about what is it that we're responsible for at Parihaka? What is this obligation uh, to keep the memory of uh, Parihaka alive? And um, that's been really important kōrero that we've had over the last few years around the, a legacy that has been left to us by our prophets, a legacy built on the principles of peace, to have a place of solace and to remember that um, conflict can be resolved um, by peaceful means, even though um, in demonstrating that our people were um, overridden by, you know, government of the time and, and the military reaction. 
Um, but it's still very much that those principles of peace are important to us. And we continue to acknowledge that at the Ra on the 18th and 19th of every month and at the Pahua in November. Mm. Is there strong support um, within the community to reinvigorate Parihaka community? Yes, there's been a... Um, you know, there's still a number of families that are resident there. Um, you know, in its heyday, there were about up to 5,000 people that were resident at Parihaka um, with about 2,000 dwellings. Um, but at, at this time, point in time, there are only about um, 15 households, homes out there. Um, but there is definitely demand to build out there. The challenge for that is that there has been no resources um, into the infrastructure at Parihaka, and we've had to really sit down and think about that in our planning going forward. Speaking of planning, four projects involving messy um, researchers um, working alongside Māori organisations, iwi and communities have received um, funding, and one of which includes Parihaka Papakainga. Um, $180,000 over the next two years mm. for the Papakainga. Tell us more That's about... That's for our project Taiapa Tiki Tiki, which um, Ruakiri, Dr Ruakiri Hond uh, gave to the project name. And if you think about the naming of Taiapa Tiki Tiki, um, his description of it is what it used to be the fencing that was put around to protect our gardens and our orchards to keep the wind, uh, to protect our, protect our crops and our stock um, from the prevailing winds that would you know, be around. And so when we think of that um, in terms of climate and the impact climate change has had on our environment, it seemed an appropriate name for us to give it. The project when we were looking at developing um, how to become, how to develop our resources around uh, energy supply, uh, power supply to Parihaka, and how to develop it um, so that it uh, works in harmony with our environment, and how to develop it so that we become um, self-sufficient. We don't build an infrastructure that requires huge amounts of uh, money to to sustain. We actually had a, um, a mini crisis where we had a little potential fire that demonstrated to us a number of things. Um, the risk to our um, whare nui, house our tonga, our whakaua, um, that host our people, that they weren't geared towards uh, dealing with a, a situation like that. Um, in terms of fire protection. And the other important thing is that we um, didn't have water pressure. So if there was a fire, we wouldn't have the pressure to help um, uh, reduce the impact of a fire on any of our buildings. So that led to us taking on a project with the Ministry of Health um, and looked at our whole water and access to water coming into the Papakainga, that it was healthy, um, you know, uh, free from contamination and that we could improve the pressure coming into the papakainga. But the fundamentally we had to look at power because it was as a result of a power box arcing because um, power had backed up um, that that situation came about. We've also had one of our power lines, the, the ceramic um, moulds that yeah. sit on the top, uh, melt, um, and that, again, was about the fact that our transformer 
which hasn't been replaced for over 40, oh, 60 years, um, is at full capacity. So any uh, potential demand on it would actually um, impact, you know, could, could create a blowout of power at Parihaka. So we had meetings with the likes of PowerCo who own the lines, um, and in those preliminary conversations we had with them, we asked the question about developing alternative power sources, and they had a, did an assessment mm -hmm. and said that you've got we had three potential options. Of course, when we look back in our history, um, we knew one of them already pre-existed, and that was a mini hydro in terms of the Waitotara uh, uh, awa that runs alongside the village. Um, but the options to look at wind power, turbine, wind turbine uh, generation. You know, wanting Parihaka to be a community that is a thriving community. It's, it, yes, of course, a refuge, um, but not a, a community that becomes, um, you know, alienated from the rest of the world. We want to, we, we understand that the, the, the teachings of our um, prophets are, are, are aspirational. Uh, philosophies that are shared around the world, and a number of people almost pay um, travel to Parihaka to pay, a, you know, like a pilgrimage. And so that was the challenge. We know the world knows about Parihaka. Yes. Unfortunately, New Zealand itself is very ignorant about the history of Parihaka. Um, and um, so when the world comes to visit Parihaka, and we've had people from the United Nations, descendants of Mahatma Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and Nelson Mandela. Um, they come to our humble little village, you know, and we our facilities are very, very basic and um, and they want to come back. Uh, so we want to make sure that when they come, we, we can manaki them in the, in the manner to, by which they should be hosted. Um, and so those are sort of the things that we started talking about on that day. So it was a really awesome kōrero um, and it reaffirms the, the, our responsibility and our obligation and it also allows us sort through issues around our tikanga and our kawa associated. So the Papakainga Trust are going to develop, uh, build uh, some kainga to be like model homes so that um, people who come to live on Parihaka will be able to look at those different examples to look at that for their own personal needs. Those homes will um, have all of the associated um, low um, energy usage needs associated to it. So we're talking that through in terms of building materials, um, how the land is um, utilised, wastewater systems, um, sewage, and how we will be treating that in that first stage. Very much at the early preliminary planning stages, but the biggest step is that that's been signed off, it's been uh, supported, um, and the, the Papakainga Trust knows now where that development is going to happen. So if we come back to the Massey project, it means that we uh, can look at our energy uses by the existing kainga that are, that are on the, the, the marae. Um, some of them are, um, you know, built, um, 
yeah, well, prefabricated buildings, or they've been built with not a lot of um, energy efficiencies right. associated to them. Yeah. Um, and then you have the marae, the three marae, and they are associated um, whare. Um, they're established dwellings on the papakainga, and then hopefully we'll have built at least one by the by the, by the the end of the two year research project, and the use of that can also be measured. Um, and shown how um, we are, you know, developing some efficiencies around that, and um, include that in our in our planning going forward. Do you see yourself personally um, retiring at Pariaka? <laughs> <laughs> we've we've got some exciting initiatives we want to get um, underway. We want to develop Pariaka as a visitor destination, um, but we don't want you know, without no disrespect, another whakariwirua, uh environment uh, context. We want people to be able to come and share in the in the history of Parihaka. So we want to create facilities that they can visit and engage with, so that if any hui or kaupapa happening at Parihaka, that doesn't inter- they, their um, visit doesn't interfere with that. So it's things like hopefully developing a whareitaonga, um, out there, which will have, you know, a cafe or something like that. The history of Parihaka. Yeah, and yeah, there are different walks at Parihaka that you can go that you don't actually enter into the village, but you can look down. That can lead you to sites of quite significant historical um, value. Um, so we're hoping to do some economic development initiatives like that to, to build a little... Um, Commercial activity area. One of the things we want to do is reduce the traffic into Parihaka and especially large vehicles, service vehicles that do tend to come into Parihaka to to bring services into uh, the free marae. And um, so if we had a little depot um, and the guys (laughs) talked about a butchery, you know, a little (laughs) uh, market, villa, uh, um, farmer's market kind of thing happening, uh, possibly looking at a a recreation centre with a whare haora situated next to it. Um, But again, this project is so significant because if we can develop our own energy resources, so much so that we're feeding back into the grid, then our growth is only limited by our imagination, I think. Tēnā koe Amukura Pānoho, Chair of Parihaka Papakainga Trust. If you'd like to know the history of Parihaka, head to our webpage, radionz.co.nz forward slash tiahika. Scroll to the date November 9th, that's this year. You can listen to Aurere Tanga Parihaka.